Hey guys, this is Chris. Thank you for tuning in to this episode on exercise physiology. Today's topic is bioenergetics. Uh, it's basically about how your body converts food into energy. Super important because later we're going to be talking about how we can train these systems, how we can use that to get better and basically get towards our goals. Um, this is audio ripped from the video that I made. The link to my YouTube will be in the description. I have a lot of illustrations kind of some on-screen images and text and just some really cool uh, hand gestures and facial expressions that you'll definitely want to see. So, But if you're in the car, if you're on the go, audio is definitely the way to go. If you have the time, check out the video. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Just kidding. It's a camera. I turned it on. I I did that. Hey, guys, what's up? Thanks for tuning in or, you know, going to YouTube or Facebook or I don't know, wherever. Uh, anyways, today, second episode or lesson or principle or whatever, second class. Today we're talking about bioenergetics. What does that mean? Uh, basically, how does your body convert foodstuffs, food, into energy? And then how do we how do we create that energy in our body? And then how do we use it? How do we train that? How do we make that more efficient and more better? They uh, could be kind of meaty. Uh, we got to go into some biology, some chemistry. Some people might call that biochemistry. Um, we're going to kind of lay some groundwork here. I'm going to try to spare you all the nitty-gritty details that really just honestly confuse a lot of people, including myself. We don't necessarily need all that. We're trying to get, like, the what's the what's the application? Why is this information even useful? Why should I even care? I hope to answer those questions for you today. So sit back, relax. Grab some popcorn, maybe grab a notebook if you want, but it's a video, you can always go back. Um, if you do want to learn more about the details and the science, I'll give you some references or I'll, I'll kind of call out things to maybe do some further research on. So I could explain it, but it's not going to be interesting to a lot of people. And that's okay. Live your life, you know, do your thing. So um, metabolism is just the sum of all of the chemical reactions that go on in your body. If you could somehow take out a really big calculator and add everything up, you would basically measure your metabolism. A lot of things we kind of, uh, we break down and we abstract just so we can understand it a little bit better, uh, but we can use that to try to enhance or go towards our goal even easier, if that makes sense. So again, metabolism is just the sum of all of the chemical reactions. Basically, that's all we are, is just a, a walking, talking bag of chemicals, right? Think about it, that's all we are, just a bunch of atoms, a bunch of molecules, a bunch of reactions going on. It's all just chemistry going on in here. All right, so again, we gotta lay some groundwork here. The standard view of a cell let's just take a general cell a cell in your body um, it's going to be basically a cell wall 
some sort of fluid on the inside, and then there's gonna be a nucleus, and that nucleus is gonna have all of your genetic material, all of your DNA, and every cell in your body has, should have all of your DNA. Picture like a water balloon with water inside and a jelly bean on the inside of that. So that water balloon itself is the cell membrane, that cell wall, but it's permeable. Things can pass in and out of it. That's important. The fluid just kind of suspends things, make it makes it a little more you know solid. And then that jelly bean is going to be that nucleus. I and mean, it's kind of floating around in there. Again, that has the genetic material. Not everything that gets into the cell can get into the the jelly bean, the nucleus, the DNA. So, and that's important. So all of that, those genes, that DNA that's in that nucleus, all that really is is just like a set of instructions that when acted upon can then create proteins. And what I want you to think about like in terms of proteins in, turn, in your body, think of them as like different tools. Yes, we eat protein and they're broken down into their individual amino acids, but in your body when you're making your own proteins, you're making those proteins to serve a certain function. And that is something that we can modify. We can not necessarily modify those, those proteins, those enzymes, as we call them, but modify like how well or how quickly or how slowly you, you make those. And certain things that we do changes how they're made. And that's important. So remember that. We can affect how our enzymes, how our proteins are made in our body from our genetic material. So in that fluid of that water balloon, the water, the liquid, that suspension, there's not just that jelly bean, that nucleus, there's other kind of organelles, we'll call them, other little things that do different jobs. The only one we're really gonna focus on for today is the mitochondria. And if you remember anything from high school biology, it's that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So if you think about the cell as that water balloon, it's not just that jelly bean on the inside there too. There's other different like organelles, different proteins that do, that serve different functions. Uh, the only one we're really gonna talk about today is the mitochondria, okay? And if you remember anything from high school biology, it's that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Do you remember? It's taking you back, think back, high school biology. Good times, good friends, good people, um, simpler times, right? Yeah, but again, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Powerhouse. Every cell, every cell you have. And some cells have multiple uh, mitochondria. That's cool. And you can actually increase the number. We'll talk about that later. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, so um, one more thing we're going to talk about is that chemical reactions, some require energy to be put into them. Usually like when you're making something, building something more. Other reactions when they proceed, release energy. Usually that's when you're uh, breaking things apart. Those bonds, the energy is in the bonds of the atoms, between the atoms. 
just remember that some when you're building it takes energy to put into it when you're breaking things down energy is released we're going to use that energy to do other things and make other things a lot of times those reactions are paired so if this reaction is breaking something apart that energy isn't just like going off into nowhere um, it's usually contained in like electrons or different uh, charged particles but then right at the same time there's another reaction where things are being put together so just remember that there's a breaking there's a putting together they're usually paired up what we're gonna be talking about today uh, is one such reaction so again energy just doesn't like float around and then get captured it's usually things are are very closely related and they're they're trading things off but in order to give off energy somebody else has to come and, and take it you can't just like throw it I think you got it. All right, so earlier I said enzyme. What the heck is an enzyme? I've heard that term. I don't really know what it means. Uh, here's what it is. Enzyme, it's just a protein, but an enzyme is something that helps to make a reaction proceed faster. Okay, so if I have this molecule and this molecule and if I combine them I'll make a different molecule sometimes that happens naturally they just come together and they they create something new that's usually pretty slow but if I have a third protein this kind of uh, blobby thing sort of like a lock and key that's the lock these two particles are the keys they fit into that enzyme or they go into the enzyme and the enzyme brings them closer together faster than they would if they were apart. Um, you can think of it as you have these, these reactants, these, these particles. Think of that as like the amount of money that you have. Okay. And the finished product is what you're going to buy. Okay. Now an enzyme uh, is like a coupon. So if I am gonna buy, you know, so if I'm gonna buy, you know, a new shirt, new shirt, 100 bucks, I don't know, just easy math, 100 bucks, and I only make $10 a day, well, it's gonna take me, you know, longer, I can't buy as many shirts, you know, it's gonna take me longer to accumulate those shirts. But if I have a coupon, <laughs> I have an enzyme, that brings that price down to ten dollars well now i can i can i can accumulate more shirts much more rapidly that's not a perfect analogy but i think it works enzyme just speeds up the process basically is what it does how it does so is by reducing the energy needed to combine those things but again that's not the most important thing just think that an enzyme helps a reaction proceed faster, okay? You got it. There's a lot of different enzymes. We're gonna talk about some specifics when we need to, but again, you could spend your whole life just trying to memorize all of the enzymes in every reaction. We're not, we're not gonna do that um, today. But one thing that is important is the activity, the, the um, effectiveness of an enzyme can be modified and so one easy way would be like temperature and uh, I got this now I got this nice uh, little picture next to me um, so looking at this 
if we, you know, at the middle there, that 37 degrees Celsius, that's like your normal body temperature. Enzymes function at a certain level, but if we increase just a little bit, like say we go up to 40 degrees Celsius, which that would be probably your standard, your body temperature if you're exercising at a, like a steady state, um, the enzymes, pretty much all enzymes in your body are gonna function a little bit better. That's also why I think you get a fever sometimes with an illness, that increase in body temperature increases the function of your enzymes and then you can fight the illness faster. That's just, I'm guessing on that one. But um, but you can see in the chart, yeah, enzymes do get better. Also, uh, pH, so how acidic, how basic things are in your body, that's gonna affect how well uh, these enzymes work. Now, there is a drop off if you get too cold they don't work and that's how you would die is because you then you can't like actually do you can't uh, your metabolism doesn't work anymore you you're too cold you die but also if you get too hot what happens is those proteins they basically denature they break apart they can't do their job when they're you know in pieces basically so um again like i said kind of in the beginning nothing is static nothing is set in stone we can affect how well these things work in a, in a lot of different ways actually so okay so we eat food we break it down in our digestive system and what we're breaking that down into are going to be the three macronutrients it's going to be carbohydrates which is just a fancy word for carbon and hydrogens there's different stuff in there but that's pretty much what it is uh fats and then proteins. Uh, so as far as like energy used for exercise, uh, protein only helps out about like, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15% of it. Um, it's not really meant as an energy source. It's meant um, as, well, let's see, I don't necessarily mean meant, I mean, I mean the pieces of it are used as building blocks to make like those enzymes and make things that your body then needs to to use the energy in those bonds as you're breaking those down yeah there is some but again it's not really the main driver um carbohydrate carb carbohydrates really are the main fuel source uh during exercise and i'm not saying it's like just carbohydrates but it'd be the main source we're gonna talk about why because the energy in those bonds we can break that apart we have the systems to to turn that into energy that's what we're going to talk about today fats as well can be used um, again, not as predominant as the carbohydrates, but that depends on what your diet is, what your typical um, form of exercise is, like how hard you work. You can manipulate things to be to burn fat more efficiently or more effectively versus carbohydrates, but um, it's never going to be like all fat or all carbs or all protein. It's going to be a mix of the three. And even, a little fun fact for you, alcohol also has its own uh, caloric content. So, um, you know, one gram of fat is nine calories, one gram of carbohydrate, and one gram of pro protein is about four calories. One gram of alcohol is like seven calories. So, something to think about if you're adding calories. Don't add calories. We'll talk about that later. But just know that those are the three main sources. Carbohydrates during exercise are what we're pretty much going to use predominantly to fuel 
ourselves, okay? All right, so all of our food, uh, what all this is about, all this energy consumption, creation in our bodies, we're basically making one molecule. It's called ATP. Maybe you've heard of it. Adenosine triphosphate, three phosphates. Basically, the big deal is in those phosphate bonds, there's a lot of energy. When we can pull one of those phosphates off, that release of energy, we can use that to do other work and other things like contract muscles. Pretty cool. Um, there's really only two classifications. There's multiple ways to make ATP, that energy, but you're either gonna do it without oxygen, which is faster, or with oxygen, which is a little bit slower. So anaerobic, not oxygen, aerobic with oxygen. And really the only reason we breathe oxygen is to make this energy or to, to finish the process of making this energy. So there's three ways uh, that we can make ATP. Two of them are anaerobic, so without oxygen. One of them is aerobic with oxygen. If you are one of my clients, if you're in my group, you probably, we've already drawn this out. There's three kind of peaks of, of where energy is used. I'll show you a different graph here in just a little bit. Actually, right here. So uh, what we're looking at here basically um, is not necessarily each individual pathway, but how much of what you're producing is produced by this anaerobic processes and how much is produced aerobically. And it really depends on how long you're gonna be exercising for. And this is like with intensity. So if you're like, if I'm walking, I'm not gonna invoke this, this uh, anaerobic pathway. I'm not gonna need to use a lot of energy. So this is like, if I'm exercising or doing something with intensity, this is how it's kind of breaking down. Um, but first system that we'll look at, uh, it's called phosphocreatine. And basically, you have this creatine molecule. Let's not worry about what that looks like, but attached to it is, again, a phosphate. And in that bond, when we can pull that off, you're pulling it off to make ATP, and that's where the energy is really stored. You have some of that stored in your muscle cells, and so, but you don't have a ton. And so you can use that really quickly because it's one step. It's like, let's take it off, we'll remake ATP. One step, there we go. Really quick, but really quickly used up. But that would be like the first like three seconds of any, any intense exercise. Like if you're gonna sprint, like if I'm gonna sprint 10 yards, that's usually you're using that phosphocreatine uh, pathway. Um, the next, so once that kind of runs out, next is called glycolysis. Glycolysis is basically just glucose lysis, like breaking glucose. And uh, I'm gonna draw it for you here in just a little bit, actually. Um, let's, yeah. So glycolysis is just glucose lysis, breaking glucose, and we're gonna break it. Use some of those uh, products for other things, but again, that energy that comes out of those bonds is going into making this ATP. All right, let's check out kind of how that's done. All right, so taking energy out of the bonds, out of the bonds of these molecules, okay? You don't just break them open and then there's like free energy just wherever you have to like collect it and usually you collect it by pairing it with like a different interact like reaction. So think about like a water turbine though. So like how do we collect how do we collect energy from like a waterfall or like a river? So like the water here's here's the here's the dam. This is the top of the 
top of the cliff. There's all this water up here. It's purple, purple water. But so there's energy in this water because it could fall down. Well, if we could set up like a, you know, a, I don't know, like a big ass turbine here and it's gonna like spin, once the water comes down and hits it, it's gonna get it going. Then we can collect, can collect that energy. I don't know the details, I'm not an engineer, but it's kind of the same thing as far as like a, a chemical reaction goes. So. C6H12O6 plus some oxygen, that's sugar and oxygen. Basically, if we can like pull off a little bit at a time, you know, that's like one reaction. What comes off is energy. Then we have another product, and then we can pull off a little bit more, a little more carbons, a little more of this, these bonds, just breaking these bonds, basically. Again, more energy comes off. We have another product. More energy comes off. We have another product. Until we're left with, maybe there's a couple more steps, but our end products from sugar and oxygen, all these processes of our metabolism making ATP, we're ending up with carbon dioxide and water. Because there's these intermediate steps, we're able to make different products, pull off some ATP, pull off some ATP, pull off some ATP. All right, so this glycolysis, really it's all about yeah, you're gonna make a little bit of that ATP from that, but it's all about the, the end products that you're getting from that are going and being reacted upon. And then in those reactions, sort of handing off their energy, handing off their electrons, that electron transport chain. And down the line, basically you're, you're creating more ATP because you're doing all these other different processes. And this, when you like look at the details, so if you are interested in this, please go look up electron transport chain. Um, and there's like animations and there's pictures and like all this cool stuff. And this is all like theory. I mean, we've measured a lot of this, but um, some of it we still kind of have to guess on like how the ATP synthase works. Anyways, it doesn't matter the names, but what I'm like so geeked out on is like, these are like complex little machines, not machines like mechanical, but machines in that they're like doing a specific task. They're complex and you have them in like every cell and they're just doing their job and if they didn't do their job you wouldn't be here you know what i mean so like through evolution and through like our our like things just fine-tuning and getting better and better and better like when you know the details and you know some of the stuff like when you're amazed at like how things can actually not only work but work well and work in unison or in in tandem with all these other things it's like life is freaking amazing so that's kind of little side note sometimes you just gotta take a step back and just like be in awe of like what is going on inside your body so anyways basically there's three different pathways for making atp kind of lay out the steps just show you kind of schematic because we've talked about a lot of pieces and i always want to bring it all together kind of show you big picture i'm a big picture kind of guy that's my wife. Show you the big picture, kind of connect it back to what we're going to be learning in the future and why this is part going to be part of your intuition. So, okay, the first system, the fastest system, 
phosphocreatine. You have some of this in your muscle, just sitting around. We consume it through eating like red meat, maybe other meats, meats, red meat. Uh, and it's used up pretty fast because we can't just have a lot of this sitting around. Otherwise we would just be like full of phosphocreatine. It's like a salt. I don't know. Anyways, phosphocreatine plus a DP, so adenosine diphosphate, two phosphates. Not a lot of energy going on there. There is a little bit, but basically that's gonna become ATP and then just creatine. Have you heard of creatine before? Pretty cool stuff. Anyways, your body has ways of regenerating this to be piece like to be phosphocreatine, but again, that takes energy to create that. So this takes energy, this, we should say this plus some energy to make ATP because then that energy, that's like just a, we can use that anywhere. We can make it here and then it can float around and then wait to be used. So that's why we want to make ATP. One step, one step, super fast to make it, to regenerate that ATP, but super fast to be used up. We cannot sustain all of our activity a long duration of high intensity activity with just this pathway. So, phosphocreatine. Nice spot. So, phosphocreatine, one step. All right, glycolysis, this big uh, meaty thing here. We don't wanna, I don't wanna bore you with the details, but this is, so glycolysis. Taking one glucose molecule, going through, Oh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight steps. To get to, well, in the process, we're using up some ATP, so we have to put some energy into this, but then we're gonna get out a little bit more. So the net, so anyways, glucose, which let's think of this as like six carbons, six pieces. It's gonna give us two, what's called pyruvate, which are three carbons a piece. So six divided by two, three, now there's two of them. It takes energy to do that and do it in a controlled way. But with that, what we're getting out of it, even though we're putting some energy into it, our net, our total, is we're also getting two ATPs, so that can be used for energy. And then also, these pyruvates will be used if there's oxygen available, so it can go through this next aerobic pathway, so just wait. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, but also uh, what's called NADH, and that will also be used 
later in the uh, electron transport chain. So this is just like high energy bonds. We can't necessarily use it for energy on its own, but we can use it later to make more ATP. We'll see that in a sec. So just to show you though, this is already in our muscles. This is from glucose, which is sugar. We're breaking that down through eight different steps to get a little bit of energy, basically potential energy, and then this other molecule. So let's, uh, let's summarize that up here. So both of those do not require oxygen. They can be done quickly because they do not. This one more quickly because it's one step. This one, this, and this is like, even though it's eight more steps, it's still happening like crazy fast because it's at such a small scale. All right, now aerobic, using oxygen, aerobic ATP production, it's meaty. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of stuff going on. But once you get the cycle started, you know, it can just keep, keep kind of churning it out. So it takes a little bit to get started and get going. But then once it does, it can pretty steadily keep producing more and more and more of this energy, this ATP, this usable energy. Um, okay, so we'll call it, we'll just say aerobic. And if you want to learn more, here's the proper name, oxidative Phosphorylation. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Phosphorylation, putting a phosphate onto something using oxygen. steps-ish. Great. And then after that, then, so the NADH and FADH from that, and then also from glycolysis, they get sent to the electron transport chain. Just going to let that sink in a little bit, electron transport chain. This is like the outside of the mitochondria. Then you have three different pumps. And I don't know if they're like right next to each other. I'm guessing they're right next to each other. But then you have this like inner membrane of the mitochondria, okay? So it's like all split up. It's all cut up and stuff. Pump one, pump two, pump three. And then there's this last dude, and this is like, I don't know. This is, it's called ATP synthase. This is what's gonna make the ATP, the ATP maker. Basically, these guys, NADH, FADH, 
they come up to pomp one they're like hey pomp one uh got some electrons that maybe you want they're like dude yeah i'll take those electrons and i'm going to use those electrons to take these hydrogen protons and i need to get these out of here i need to get these in this inner membrane space so that first pump actually does four four of these dudes get them out they didn't necessarily want to be here if they wanted to be there they would like just go there well maybe not but they don't necessarily want to be here but we're gonna like concentrate them here so that way we can use them later it's like we're gonna you know think about that waterfall oh this is how uh water towers work we pump water up into them so that way there's that potential energy so that way if the power goes out or whatever we need water we can just like let it go and it'll flow down kind of what we're doing here we're pumping it up into here so that way when we want to use it we'll use it we'll use that energy um let's see here so that's kind of like nadh comes over here to pump one it's like what up um fadh goes up to pump two and is like hey baller I got some electrons. He's like, dude, I, you're my you're my guy. So again, four of these guys through pump two into that intermembrane space, and then from oh yeah, oxygen, yo. That's this is where oxygen comes in. This is the whole reason we breathe that we need oxygen is it's the final acceptor of electrons in this transport chain. This is why we breathe. This is it because we basically need, it's, it's not, it's basically just one oxygen atom, but you wanna take its electrons with it. It's, we gotta write it like this, a half of an O2, it's one oxygen, let's just think about that. But then plus two hydrogens. So in making that go and become water, the energy, from that pumps two hydrogens, hydrogen protons out. So again, we just got a bunch of these dudes. And you're like, ah, oh, Chris, this is boring. I don't care about these freaking hydrogen pumps, man. Uh, you should, okay. Then we can talk about it later. But anyways, all right, so now there's all these hydrogen out there. It wants back in, this guy is gonna let it back in. And when when it lets it in, I'm serious, this is like, this is our theory right now. This is what we what we think. This is like a turbine. It's got, it's like, it's not smooth. It's got like notches and notches and ridges to it. But when these come back through, letting them in, it like spins it. This is, this is really neat. This is, it like spins it and that energy basically makes, takes ADP plus inorganic phosphate makes ATP. And there's a lot of, a lot of this coming in here, a lot of this happening. And so this happens a lot just from these products that we've made from glycolysis and the citric acid cycle. These go out of this electron transfer chain makes a bunch actually makes I got the number right here minus two so if you take away the two ATP that came out of this step from one molecule of glucose 
you can make 2-ATP, but then you make pyruvate. So all the stuff that gets sent to this oxidative phosphorylation, you got 30 ATPs. So we'll say 10 steps from that cycle, another one, two, three, four steps, basically. So 14 steps, Let me, let's back up here. We're, we're getting to the summary, if you can't tell. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna erase, well, I wanna erase that. So 14 steps, and those are some meaty steps. Those are like oh, tough steps. All right, so definitely, you know, it takes longer, but the payoff is huge. So for every, you know, one of these steps, we get one ATP. From this, we get two ATP. And from this, we get 30 ATP. So we wanna be going here, we wanna breathe, we wanna use that. Thank you, mitochondria, for doing this for us. Oh my gosh, this is like the coolest thing ever. So it's just a hypothesis. We can't really test it, so it can't become a theory. But the idea is that mitochondria, before we were humans, like billions of years ago, we were like, you know, single-celled organisms, whatever. The idea is that we were only able to do probably these. And so we weren't able to produce a ton of energy. But somehow, a mitochondria got absorbed by these, like, so single-celled organism, Here's mitochondria, it's a single-celled organism, whatever. It gets absorbed as like food. It's inside of here, but somehow it was able to like survive. And then this, whatever this guy is, this is Chris. This is me a billion years ago, this guy. I was better able to survive because this guy was producing more energy for me to use. So then I had kids that had, so there's, there's my daughter, Ava, and there's Theo. Here's my wife. This is not exactly how it works, but yeah. We all got, I was like, hey, get a mitochondria. She's like, okay. Uh, anyway, so we have mitochondria, and they're better able to survive because they can produce more energy and then like, other stuff obviously happened because now we're humans, but that's how we got mitochondria. Also a fun fact for you, the mitochondria that you have in your body are copies of your mother's. She gave you some, she's like, here, here's your loan. You know, you're my kid, I'm not gonna make you pay it back, but here's some mitochondria to get you started. Then your cells made their own, but you don't have like your, in your genetic material, like, you didn't, you didn't like not half of them are for your dad and half of them for your mom like they're just from your mom so next time you see your mom say thank you mom i love you thank you for the mitochondria if she doesn't know what you're talking about remind her that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell but also share this video with her she needs to know what the heck is going on so okay so where are we going with this what the what are we doing why do i need to know any of this chris because these these can be trained. These can be uh, made more effective and more efficient. Sometimes, some of these you're going to be you're going to be genetically predisposed uh, to probably do some of these better, faster, more effectively, or maybe you can 
whatever the bottleneck is in these processes because there's always like one step that like slows the whole thing down and that's on purpose that's for like checks and balances and controls but maybe you have a different bottleneck than me versus you know john smith whatever so how can we train these well we're gonna get into that later but what i'll say is this is gonna be sprints and rest generally speaking this is going to be more kind of middle distance work uh you know anywhere from like 30 seconds to a few minutes you know if you're working hard for that time and that's an effort that's going to gas you at that time that's what you're going to be challenging anything above you know several minutes is going to be taxing this more so and we can actually grow more mitochondria in our cells, weightlifting, cardio, I mean, we can do this. Certain things that we eat will help us make more so that we can make more energy faster and better. Um, the better able you are to get oxygen like through your body, like if your heart is stronger, if your lungs are stronger, have a bigger capacity, if you have uh, more, um, not myoglobin, maybe it's myoglobin, I'll double check, but whatever carries oxygen in your blood, if you have a bigger capacity for that, or if they're just better at it, you can get more oxygen to these cells so they can, they can, this can just, this, we can speed this up. That's not exactly how it works, but generally speaking, you can, you can enhance things with your training, with your, uh, with your habits, with your lifestyle. And that to me is like the coolest freaking thing ever. If you can't tell, I'm very excited right now. So, all right guys, this was, this was a meaty, this was a sciencey kind of talk here, but I think it was necessary to get the point across that we have different ways of making energy. We can train those different ways. We can use that to get to our goals, but actually get reverse engineering that whatever your goals are, that's gonna help dictate what maybe energy system you need to work on the most, but then you have to like do it. You know what I mean? We'll talk more about that later. So if you enjoyed this video, please share it with somebody else who may glean some benefit from it, um, like it, comment on it. These are things that like will get it out to more people. I'm not trying to make it about me, but I think the more people that have this information and the information that I'm going to be sharing in their hands, the healthier we're going to be. Again, the better decisions we're going to make, the more we're going to impact the people around us, the healthier we're going to be as uh, a culture, as a world, as a race, or uh, you know, as a species, the human race. Yeah, race. And it's important okay so please help me out please spread the message here I do need your help I can't do it by myself but I think we're I think we're on the right path uh, if you like the video if you didn't leave a comment let me know what you didn't like or did like it's gonna encourage me to keep making these even better and better and uh, again just kind of trying to trying to do the right thing here so much love have a great day have a great night have a great weekend, have a great week, have a great life.
have a great dinner, have a great birthday, have a great, be great.